You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's News and Insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Welcome to Tax Wrap, episode 56. This is our last for 2015, and today we're joined by Lisa. Hey Steve, how you going? And Andy. Good to be here. And Letty. Hi. Hi everyone, it's great to have you here. Now we've been giving something of an early Christmas present in the form of the PM's innovation statement. Uh, What are the tax implications of that? Yeah, the PM's given a fairly decent statement, I have to say, in terms of there was a broad range of issues, not only tax, and so some of these things will help startups, um, and specifically um, startups going forward, particularly when they're trying to get stuff off the ground. So um, one of the key themes that we looked at in the office here were that there were some concessions for investors and there were also some concessions for the entity conducting the innovation themselves. So, so uh, with respect to investors, uh, there was a lot of talk in terms of uh, there is a special CGT exemption, as they refer to it, which means that... <coughs> which means that if the, the investors invested in, in a particular uh, entity, they're entitled, to, um, they're entitled to a CGT exemption, or it sounds like a deferral for up, up to 10 years, provided that they hold that particular interest for at least three years. And That's exactly right, Andy. I mean, they've basically, um, we've got some lots of good tax information, but there's not too much detail. And in the media, we're hearing that that CGT is, they're calling an exemption. And I always think of exemptions like our main residents never have to pay tax on it, which is fantastic. But it seems to be that you um, get a 10-year exemption if you hold the asset for three years. Now, a 10-year exemption to me sounds like a rollover. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think exactly the same, Lisa, as well. We're, we're thinking that it's probably more deferral, Steve, yeah. um, that you know, once that 10-year clicks clips off, then it's, um, then that's when you start to pay the tax. In some ways, it's no different to, you know, employee share schemes, you know, when that trigger point rolls off, you know, whether it's seven or 10 years, that's that's when that trigger point gets triggered. So I suspect it might be something along those lines. As uh, speaking about employee share schemes, that's a good segue into another thing that was in the innovation statement. So a lot of our listeners will be aware that earlier in the year, the government passed some legislation to give concessional tax treatment for employees that receive shares and options under employee share scheme if they work for a startup company. Now, employees are in a very unique position because they are both the investor and the business when it comes to uh, holding shares under the employee share scheme. And so what the government wants to do through this innovation statement is to uh, relax the disclosure requirements for the actual company themselves. Because what the feedback has been is that while these tax incentives are all good and well, the disclosure requirements and the heavy paperwork that's involved is really discouraging a lot of small startups from proceeding further with it. That's yeah. exactly right, Letty. And um, what we're finding is that with the innovation, um, it's sort of in two camps, isn't it? It's trying to attract Im- attract investors. And if we parallel that to what happens in Silicon Valley, like America's a huge market. They've got angel investors, VCs mm. that can come in. So I think the innovation statement is trying to get more investors in. And then there's on the other side, well, what's in it for the company? You know, we've got the patent issue and things like that, haven't we, Andy? That's correct. That's correct, Lisa. But before we touch on that, um, one of the things that you were mentioning with the investors is that they also get a 20% discount, essentially a discount or an offset when, when they do invest in as in their capacity as potentially an angel investor. So as we noted, a lot of statements, um, a few things to watch out for. But as Lisa was saying, with, with patents, registered designs and, and, and those, those sorts of things, under the tax law, currently um, there are statutory rates uh, with respect to uh, claiming deductions for certain uh, items of IP. So under the tax law at the moment, you can claim a deduction over 
a period of time for uh, patents, registered designs, and copyrights and licenses thereof. So, uh, and the, the law prescribes certain uh, statutory rates. So, for example, I think patents, I was looking at this the other day, like it might have been 25 years. Yeah, I think it's 20, 25 years, something like that. And yeah. it's on a straight line method as well, Andy. Yeah, that's correct. So, what the government's done in their statements is that you can self assess the effective life of, of these uh, these IP uh, items of IP. So it'll be interesting to see how you go about doing that. Yeah. So so yeah. the devil will be in the detail. And they, they just accept that self-assessment? That's correct, wow. yeah. That's correct. Because currently under the law as it is, you can self-assess uh, you know, your various depreciating assets. So even if you had a truck and you used it you know, quite significantly, you can, you can choose to self-assess as opposed to using the commissioner's uh, prescribed rates. But obviously that places an additional burden on the taxpayer to, to prove that that's a, a, you know, a reasonable basis for, for self-assessing. Yeah. The so interesting thing um, for the intangible property uh, is that, remember, it's on acquired if it's internally generated, of course, it hasn't got a value for tax purposes, has it, Andy? So if you're just starting, you've got an idea and you decide to patent it, well, you know, you basically, it's basically sitting on your books for $1,000. But if you've acquired a licence from um, Google or something like that, um, you know, then, then you've actually paid the 20 k That's when you can actually do something about it. That's, that's correct, Lisa. Yes, yeah, so, and one of the other things as well, Steve, is the fact that um, it doesn't take into account, it's not something necessarily for small business. Small business tends, tends to be acquired, so you might have goodwill, so, so it doesn't take into account those sorts of things oh, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a potentially a, a great finish to the year. Um, and looking back over the year, it's been a fairly mixed bag, wouldn't you say? Yeah, now for me, I'd say that one of the highlights of my year has been the ATO's Certainty Letter Project. Now, that, this has been a pet project of mine and Andy's because we were actually involved in the ATO consultation for designing this letter. So a lot of our listeners may be aware from our previous podcasts and other publications that what the ATO did in tax time 2015 was that they selected a sample of individual taxpayers that had simple tax affairs. Um, they did some data matching just to make sure nothing seemed wrong and then they sent them letters basically reassuring them we're not going to um, review all that your tax return your 2015 tax affairs are finalized congratulations you can you can get on with your life in peace basically now this was just a um, trial run really but uh, we're really um, excited about the ATO taking these sorts of initiatives to communicate better with taxpayers and to give them some reassurance and to really to reward and encourage taxpayers to comply with their obligations as well so that taxpayers know well if I do the right thing I will get this reassurance yeah, I actually got one of those letters so I have very simple That's tax excellent. affairs so. and I have, to, I have to tell you Steve it was a lot of hard work to get those four paragraphs out. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a lot of man hours, but it was totally worth it. Right. I suppose my Christmas wish really is that next year when they look at the success of this trial, they will see how they can expand it and improve it and give even more certainty and more positive communication to more taxpayers out there. Yeah, that'd be a good thing. Yeah, you must you must have been a good taxpayer during this year to get well, one of those letters, Steve. Fairly basic, so well, you know, in and out, it's all just uh, fairly straightforward. So it was good, good to know, though. Yes, so, so Lisa, what, what do you have planned for Christmas? What, what did you think was the highlight of this year, Lisa? Well, besides joining Taxpayers Australia, so yeah. they joined yeah. around about Easter time. So I th can we talk about Easter and Christmas in the same breath? We Maybe can. we can. <laughs> um, I think the big highlight for me was um, I think we really need to look at tax reform in this country. I think we've got a lot of antiquated taxes. I know it's topical and we know that everything is on the table at the moment, but um, I really enjoyed the rethink submission um, that we did and basically the feedback I think that was a well thought through um, piece 
from the government and actually included a lot of examples of what happened in places like Finland and the other Scandinavian countries. So I think it was um, a well thought through and um, we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into it. I know that we were burning the midnight oil, being only a small association doing that. But I think uh, even though um, I think in the editorial for the the December taxpayer, I said rethink should be rethought. Yes. But yes. Um, look, I think there's a lot of really good work that gone in, that's gone into it that, I, that we'll be able to resurrect no pun of Christmas intended, um, but uh, resurrect for next year. Yeah. So what's on your wish list for the, your, if you were writing a letter to Santa, what would be on your uh, wish list for uh, next year? My wish list for next year is to make sure that the ATO digital platform, Steve, is up and running and, and raring to go. Um, I'll just give you a little sidebar. I was trying to get uh, my uh, software ELS so an ELS form done and I said well how can I send this in they said either snail mail or fax it I said you mean I can't use the portal so that's just one of the examples where you know the rhetoric's all good that we're going digital but let's put some implementation in exactly. so that's that's my that's on my Santa wish list to the North Pole to yeah, the to, to Santa Jordan <laughs> I'd like to see that happen what about other guys what do you think yeah I, I think I mean for this year for me one of the things that came out of the budget if we reminded ourselves what yeah. happened back in May was, you know, the whole raft of small business measures. Yeah. And so they were really positive. So we were looking things about, you know, it's $20,000 deduction, the 5% discount for unincorporated entities, um, the, you know, 1.5% discount in company tax rate for, for small companies as well. So they're very positive uh, measures for, for small business. Just, just uh, as evidenced by the <laughs> amount of queries and phone calls that we've had into taxpayers, uh, clearing those matters up as um, they must be very popular. Yeah, they they were, and there was still a lot of complexity, and that's the the issue. With you know when you know, fun, uh, funnily enough, we you know we were having a discussion with Mark Pizzacala this year when he joined us for for podcast, just reflecting, and he said that you know providing com concessions do provide additional complexity because then you've got to sort of go through all those hoops and hurdles mm. just to make sure that you can you know satisfy all the relevant uh, Mark Pickles, of course, is a member of the Board of Taxation for listeners who, who don't know that, so it was very nice to have him in and uh, get a go to the source, as it were, for uh, the tax uh, tax landscape ahead. Yes, yeah, so, so in that regard, it's been a fantastic year for small business in terms of some of these concessions. I mean, my personal wish for the new year is that, you know, there are concessions that are appropriately targeted for small business in the new year so and hopefully when we do see the green paper in the new year there are better concessions out there so that small businesses do get get that proper lift I mean the concessions that we do have are, are great but may, maybe something that will take into account you know those those particular business needs I think one of the things that Mark did note was that you know and we're starting to see that now with the PM's innovation statement is that there is uh, a kick um, for startups and so to, to provide some to provide those benefits and hopefully once we get to see the detail that that would be fantastic for yeah, small exactly. business in the new year the danger there with more concessions is of course there's always the risk of more red tape uh, to go through so we'd like to see um, I suppose a balance a balanced approach to to this as well oh yeah yeah for sure oh that's uh, that, that they're all good things but what anything else on the wish list what have you heard from members um, from the uh, taxpayers Australia membership uh, they must have come in with some um, wants and things to see in Santa's stocking. Yeah. yeah, I think our members this year have been, you know, we've, we've got to thank our members for their support during the year. It's been absolutely fantastic hear, hearing their voices on, on the helpline. Um, one of the things that our members have sort of had queries with is particularly their dealings with the tax office during the year and with the integration with MyGov there has been uh, some a few issues there in yeah. terms of 
clients, you know, their communications. Communications are not getting client correspondence. And so we've been fortunate enough this year when I reflect on it, that we did have Joyce Carenza join us just to just to clear up some of those clear up some of those issues that our practitioners are experiencing yeah, out yeah. there. So, and we will continue. Uh, Taxpayers Australia will continue to work with the tax office uh, over the next year as um, we we try to nut down some of these challenges. You know, Lisa did mention a little bit earlier that you know this, this digital transformation is quite a challenge. Exactly, and we know that there's um, issues with um, yeah, you know, the digital transformation and the MyGov and the client correspondence list. But the good thing about it is, with um, you know, friends of taxpayers like Joyce Carenza, she will find a workaround. It might not be ideal, but it means that everyone still get their job done, and I think that's the main thing that we need to be yeah, aware of. Yeah, we might, we might yet see a miracle on Section 34th Street. Sure. And speaking <laughs> of legislation, there's a good segue uh, into what I like hearing from our members. Um, what, what we like is when members tell us what technical topics they want to see covered in our publications or even in our podcasts, because we want to respond to what your concerns are, what your practice needs, or what you as a taxpayer want to know. So yeah, yeah. Keep, keep telling us. Yep, for sure. That's kind of it. Okay, look, look, thanks very much, everyone, for listening in. And thank you, Lisa, Andy and Letty, for your time and your, your information and your intelligence. It's been great. And uh, listeners, this is our last uh, podcast for 2015. We'll be back uh, early in uh, 2016, so keep an eye out on the emails. Um, thank you for listening. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Bye. Christmas.